Welcome to Infinite Pulp. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Aaron. I'm still Max. Still Max. As far as always. I know. Um, another special guest today with us. I am so excited about this. And um, he is here today with us um, from the lovely state of Florida, I believe. You're still in Florida, right? Yeah, I'm still here in the Sunshine State. <laughs> well, it's like raining right now, but yeah, still the Sunshine State. Excellent. Uh, my good friend Brandon Good is here. And Brandon, why don't you throw a little introduction for yourself if you want to? Oh, sure. Hello, everybody. My name is Brandon Good, as Aaron just said. Um, first off, thank you guys for having me. I'm super excited for this conversation we're about to have. Um, but I am a now best-selling author, like I can officially use that in my title, best-selling yes. author, content creator um and kind of like a mini socialite but i hate that title because like i get invited to things but i don't go anymore (laughs) so (laughs) that's me in a nutshell (laughs) awesome excellent this is really exciting um brandon mentioned the topics and the reason we're talking about what we're talking about today is because he is a best-selling author and i want to uh, talk about our top five favorite books and so i figured we're having an author on we might as well get figure out where he's gotten some inspiration from yeah and and all of that but before we start into any of that how's everybody doing today i'm good yeah i'm great i am (laughs) hanging out i'm zoned out man i just like it's 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 a lot (laughs) like it's a lot and the the continuous conversation is a lot and working with white people to help understand their whiteness is a lot so (laughs) i am i am i am just a little bit like i wouldn't say burned out but like just like zoned out like i feel kind of zombified at this point Uh especially because i feel like i've had to have the exact same conversation like six or seven times at this point with Uh like friends and family and stuff so I, I, I'm almost to the point where I'm developing like a a, um, a script and I can just like yeah. reference different points of the script. That way it's less um, mental energy. Yeah. That's smart yeah. to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brandon, how are you doing? I, you know, I'm good. Um, today's one of the better days, you know, with the state good. of the world and mm-hmm. everything going on. Like I feel like this emotional roller coaster that a lot of people are going through has just really been intense you know we were already dealing with the pandemic and then you know dealing with what's happening in the world right now with race relations and and equal rights like that it literally has put me on like the most interesting emotional roller coaster but today is a lot better like i had a photo shoot earlier like so today's good like i'm having a great day today um but it's like kind of what you know everyone is saying it's like having those same conversations over and over again with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is what's draining the most because I found that people just don't want to accept it. So it's like, I've just started to like remove myself from certain conversations. Yeah. So yep, that's absolutely fair. So yeah. this photo shoot, were you the subject of the photo shoot or were you I the was. photographer? I was the that's subject fabulous. of the photo shoot. Yeah, it was, um, I'm updating my website. Um, I just launched my own business. So I'm like needing photos for that. And then, you know, it's always great to just have photos of yourself, like that you can post for content. So I was like, might as well just do this and get this out of the way. So um, it was a nice photo shoot before it started pouring rain here in Florida, which it does <laughs> like every hour on the hour. Um, so <laughs> it was a nice like change of pace for today. Like I got up, I got cute. I left the house, you know. It's so. <laughs> <laughs> an accomplishment. Pandemic and all. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, uh, what's is uh, what? What's your new business about, man? 
Oh, so I just launched my own consulting agency. Um, it's called Good Things Consulting, um, where I'm focused on providing creative services for clients. So whether you're an independent, you know, consultant on your own or like someone who's starting a business, whether you already have a small business or you have a big business and you're trying to figure out, you know, why your logo isn't resonating with your clientele or you need a revamp to your mission statement. So anything that you would need creative wise, I would be able to provide for you from my company. Oh, so, that's Sounds like Infinite Pulp needs to needs to hire and some hey, we, redesign. We we can talk that offline. Definitely, I can hook you Excellent. guys up. You know, like Excellent. Can, I like it. We can we can look at what you guys have and like maybe provide something new. But yeah, yes. So my company has officially started, and I, and I think it's been something I was toying with for like the longest time. And like you know, with the state of the world and life being short, why not just go for it? So yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I, I had a similar epiphany the other day. Um, a few weeks ago of like where I wanted my life trajectory to go and how I want it to be different than it is now. Yeah. And so I was just like, yeah, I feel this. Yeah. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, the main reason we have you on today is to talk about books, but let's also do a little bit of publicity too. you know, throw some of that out there. Always yeah. be, always be uh, pushing, I guess. <laughs> and um, selling. That's what it is. Always be selling. That's what we should be doing. Yes. Um, so, uh, walk me through, let's do your first book first, okay. just a little bit of touch on it. And then I want to kind of get, cause I want to get a little deeper into your most recent book. Cause I have a few yeah. questions about it. So let's, yeah. let's go with the first one. Absolutely. So my first book was published in 2017. Uh, the title is The Secrets of Eden. Um, and it basically is a young adult fantasy novel where we have a Cinderella retelling of sorts, but with a black gay male lead kind of modeled after myself, um, where this young man named Eden, he is an orphan technically in the kingdom. His mom has disappeared um, for about seven years now and his dad, he never knew. And he gets invited to a ball one night and he goes because it's a masquerade ball and he hits it off with this guy in the garden. And you find out the guy that he hits it off with is the prince who's supposed to be finding a bride at this ball. And then it's a whole bunch of mess there. Um, But you know, there's, some forbidden magic there's some a murder mystery so that was the first book so um that was three years ago now which is crazy like i I feel like it was yesterday um but the best way to describe it to people is like if you took harry potter with cinderella and like the tv show scandal and put it all in like a pot (laughs) so (laughs) i mean what more could you want absolutely because that sounds wonderful listen i'm trying to be like shonda rhimes you know a little bit every chapter has like a twist and turn in there to kind of keep you um you know wanting to read more um so so, yeah, it was it was a fun ride to write the first one. So excellent. Awesome. Well, go, guys. Check that out. Um, Amazon. Let's do it. Let's, yes. go, let's I think let's do that. However, there's another one. Man, uh-huh. two books. Jeez. That's two more than almost everybody I personally know in my life. So um, <laughs> this one, I'm going to do you want to tell I'm going to spoil the tile for you. I'm sorry, because I love it so much. It's so beautiful. And it's called Unorthodox Remedies. And yes. it is a poetry book and yes. kind of share, I kind of want to feel like maybe not necessarily inspiration, but just kind of like what drove you to write this one. Cause it's a departure from your fiction versus yeah. now you're into poetry. So kind of go through that a little bit and then let's talk about it. Yeah. So um, Unorthodox Remedies honestly was not my second project that I was going to put out. So (laughs) what happened was I'm in the middle of re-editing a manuscript for a superhero novel. So that was originally like my second fantasy novel that was coming out. 
And I was having some writer's block recently. Um, when I say recently, I mean like before COVID happened because I forget how long we've been on a pan- pandemic. Um, so but it was like back in January and I was hanging out with one of my friends who's also, um, he's like a music artist. And so um, we were just talking creative things and he was like, well, what's going on? And I was like, I'm just having so much writer's block. And he was like, well, just take a break, you know, and like walk away from it. And here I am as a writer, like, yeah, I know to take, you know, take a break from it. Um, and so I honestly was scrolling through my iPhone because I do a lot of my writing in my iPhone. Um, as a writer, you should always be writing wherever you can. So I dropped down on my iPhone and I came across this poem that I wrote last year. And something in the poem, like some of the imagery and symbolism was in a poem that I had written years ago. So I like went through like my por- my poetry portfolio and I'm like pulling out all these poems that were connected that I had no idea were even connected. And so then it took me a couple of weeks to kind of format them all into an order that told a story uh, because I find that people, if they don't get poetry, it's hard for them to understand it without like a story involved. So um, I put them all in a story and then Unorthodox Remedies was born. So this book is about love and and finding that love that you think is perfect for you and then realizing that that love is not perfect for you and the the destruction that comes from that, um, which we all, I'm sure, can relate to on some Mm -hmm. level. And then after that destruction of what you thought was the perfect relationship, rebuilding and rehealing yourself and that self-love. So that's where the second book came from. It, it's it's ama- it's wonderful. Like you, you did such a good job because I'm I'm going through it and you're explaining what I am. Like I'm the person that doesn't just like look at poetry and get it. Like <laughs> because I my mind wanders so like I I don't know if I just don't have like the focus to like really tone into like the words. But when it was put into a story after the first few, I was just like, oh okay yeah, th- this is all connected. I get this now. And like yeah. it really did open it up. And that's wonder. Ah, it was awesome. It was so cool. Thank you. Um, and really uh, like incredible that like the start, the project started in January, you know, and it's like, I have yeah. it, it's here, like it's in my hands, you know, like oh, I yeah. have it. So like, <laughs> it's such a cool, like the, the state, like, even though the state of the world sucks, the ability to like have your book within four months, like just out and two people. Yeah. is so cool. And like, I just love that. So. Thank you. Yeah. My and first book taught me a lot about like how to get it out quickly. And um, I just honestly, once I figured out what I wanted to do, being a writer, I don't want to be famous. I just want to inspire people. And so with this one, of course, I didn't want to go to traditional publishing route because trying to pitch a, a poetry novel is kind of hard right now um, because everyone wants the young adult fantasies. They want the murder mysteries. And so I knew how to market myself. I knew who to contact to get it you know, out there. And it was crazy because like you said, you know, like within four months, once it was launched, I became a bestseller within that day. Like it was insane. Like yes. I was checking it like throughout the day, like on Amazon. And like at one point it was like book 125 and then it like jumped to one and it was there for like five <laughs> days. And I was freaking out every single day. <laughs> I didn't know how this happened, but it's just one of those things that shows like go with your gut, you know, like really go with yeah. what you feel is right at that time. And honestly, it will do what it's supposed to do. Yeah, it's really good. That's why it happened. Like, I, I really love it. And I have a few questions about it. Yeah. If, if I could pick your brain. And I, I don't want you to peel back the meaning behind things if you don't want to peel back anything. So feel I'm free to just book. say, you know no what? No pun intended. Let's, let's, let's go for it. <laughs> so, like, the first thing I kind of wanted to do is just what led you to do different font sizes and different placements of the stanzas and all those around like all of the pages. I like noticed that throughout and I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Like what's kind of the structure behind that? So the book for those out there who will read it, who have read it, who are interested now from this conversation, the book is told from the perspective that love is an addiction. 
So the first is split into three sections. So the first is the addiction, the middle is the overdose, and then the last section is the rehabilitation. I won't spoil that there's a hidden section in there. Uh, but um, <laughs> when writing it and formatting it, I wanted it to feel like you were going through this journey with this person. And also granted to formatting a book to pages, like you have to, it has to make sense. And with poetry, I had to do it to where everything was together. Because if not... Certain people don't know how to read stanzas, so they would have been off. So I had to figure out how to con- convey this story in the perfect way. So certain bigger, certain poems are bigger than others. And then you have some that are smaller, some that are like two on one page. So um, that was how I kind of figured it out, was figuring out how did I want to read the book? And then that's how I kind of like just formatted it. Awesome. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool because uh, there was uh, there was like I'm looking through it. And I think the first time I noticed it was when I was looking at one page and that had this really long poem that was large in font and this short poem that was very small uh-huh. in font. And I was like, that doesn't make right. sense. <laughs> like it does, yeah, like, but you know, like that's not necessarily how you conventionally do it. And so I think everyone like just to even just to see how it's formatted i think it's like, worth it. like, i think it's so if, cool if it makes you feel any better my grandmother thought there was a misprint in her book she called me hysterical <laughs> because the overdose title is flipped upside down to kind of symbolize that mm-hmm. and she was like i thought my book was printed wrong it's upside down and i was like no like it was designed that way and she was like oh great because i was calling amazon to let them know i got a bad copy so it was like <laughs> one of the funniest things ever like literally uh, how do you explain to your grandmother that that's how it was supposed to be <laughs> Oh, man, that's oh, awesome. Man, that's, awesome. <laughs> that's great. Okay. I have a couple questions and just a few things that I wanted to ask you and noticed about some of the mm-hmm. poems, and then we'll uh, jump yeah. into it. And so um, <laughs> I really enjoy The problem is there's no, there's no numbers on the pages, so I can't like call <laughs> to like, okay, guys, on this page, this is what it is. But there is a poem in here that you go through 12 days. Yes. Uh, and I just... I love that because for me, I have written here 12 dates of Christmas because it just kind of reminded uh-huh. me of that. But it's just a like first date, second date. And then you start like, okay, wedding bells, fights, loneliness. Mm-hmm. You're like, you know what? Like I've been in relationships where like after the second date, you're talking about like loving and like getting married and like just having those conversations. I felt it was really just apropos of kind of the conversations you have in between mm-hmm. those kind of dates was that mostly like kind of what you were going yeah, for there? it was it was kind of chrono it was kind of putting our relationship in like chronological order and okay. so um i'm gonna spoil something but like so when you read it first date and then when you get to the end and there's a for another first date you're like wait a minute what's happening oh, yeah. so um i wanted to showcase like you know first date is easy you know there's nothing there second date okay we're getting there but then the deeper you get into the relationship sometimes more of the problems start to surface out and um i thought about that in a sense of like what i've been through in a relationship because like like you said like by the third or fourth date you're talking like pretty heavy stuff or once you're dating or, or official with someone like those pretty heavy conversations start to come out. And so that's what that poem is about is like, everything isn't always pretty. And, you know, once you get past the honeymoon stage, really of dating, you're now in this relationship where you're having to realize, is this for you or is it not for you? So that's what that poem is really about. Wonderful. (laughs) Excellent. This is what we should do with all poems. I think get the authors on and talk to them because it makes me understand. It helps, helps, you know, the explanation part. Absolutely. Um, The next one I wanted to, to ask about um, was your inclusion of the planets and Saturn particularly um, because I wanted to just kind of see if 
we talked about in the poem, it talks about why this person's taking you to Mars. Mm -hmm. I want to be in Saturn. Yeah. You know, and then I wish you took. So this is the way I read the poem. Okay. I read the poem of of somebody who is looking at somebody because in this part of the book, I don't want to necessarily spoil anything. Like we kind of know it's the length of a relationship. Right. So there's going to be tumultuous times. There's some tumultuous times in this part. Mm -hmm. And so. The way I read it was, why didn't you just take me to Saturn? If you took me to Saturn, things just would have been different. Even though they wouldn't have been different. The exact same thing would have happened if you would have gone to Saturn too. But I've been in that situation where you're like, oh, if I just would have gone there instead of gone here, maybe they would have been different. Yeah. But later in the book, you also like recall back to Saturn. And it's a really good thing. And so I was like, well, did I just miss the whole point of the first poem or <laughs> did they really know what he wanted to be at? Or was it like, so I'm going to, I'm not going to say that it's necessarily one or the other. I'm just going to say that people should read it and find out from themselves. But yeah. if you want to talk about it. Yeah. So what yeah. I'll yeah. do, I'll, I'll talk on it. So with Saturn um, in the first poem, um, Saturn is like a metaphor for happiness. And so what does Saturn have that a lot of planets does not have rings? So this person was thinking that, um, you know, they, their relationship was leading to marriage, like their relationship was leading to happiness. And so why did you bring me to Mars? Mars is the red planet. Mars is the angry planet. Like you brought me here to break up with me. So it was like that whole type of thought process. And okay. so when that character gets back to Mars, I won't spoil it for everyone, but like, you know where they are in the story. So like, it, it's one of those things to where when you reach that place of happiness, you know, you can look back and say, maybe that wasn't the time for me to go there on to Saturn. Like, you know, maybe that yeah. wasn't that time for me, but now I'm there, you know, and, and that's where I am now. So that okay. was what that was about. But yeah, you're, okay. you're kind of on it. Like, yeah, it was writing that poem. Um, I call it Letters to Mars because um, we've all been there. Like you said, like, why didn't we just do this? Like, why didn't I just do that? Or why didn't we just, you know, this was the easy solution to our problems, but sometimes those things aren't easy solutions. And that's what that poem is really about. Awesome. Yeah. I'm glad I got half you're of it. Good. I'm you're good. You're doing good. Like some people don't get it. You're, you're learning, you're making, you're learning me some, some poetry right now. I'm very excited about it. This is my very first poetry book I've ever finished. So nice. this is, be proud. Um, be proud. Congratulations. <laughs> um, I don't have a whole lot else. Um, though now I kind of make, makes more sense about what Pluto means. Uh-huh. Um, and so the only other few things I had, and then I can open this up to any kind of questions that Max may have, or we can just kind of look, move forward. But I um, I just wanted to call out the fact that there's a poem in here about how much you hate Mondays. And <laughs> it's wonderful. It's not necessarily about that, but necessarily like, I'm just like, yep, you wrote a poem about hating Mondays. Yeah. I love it. Um, <laughs> and uh, my favorite line, let me pull this out yes, and see if please. I can, I can grab this up. one Take for you. Take us to the page, please. Um, my very favorite line is, um, the page where I have it folded in on the corner so I could remember it. Um, it's the last line of one of your poems that says, I'm tickled at your mistake because now I'm free. And then there's a hyphen that says in italicized and you're stuck with everything you gave me. And yeah, I, love I love the rhyme, but I also just love like sometimes at least the way I interpreted it kind of when I was thinking about it is sometimes when you are with somebody for so long, a lot of the pieces of you are given to that person. And so when you're no longer with them, you feel like some of those pieces are now there and you kind of have to reconcile that with yourself and regain that back. But a lot of times some of those are good things that you got. And so the way I kind of read it was like, you gave me some good stuff and now they're mine. 
I'm free. You're right on it. You're you're actually right on it. So that um so good job. So um what what I did with this book was I didn't give these poems names publicly, and I've said it before in another like interview that I did. Um like if people want these titles of poems, I'll release them out because that's how I think of them. But this one is called Yours and Mine. And how I thought about it was kind of like you said, like in relationships, you kind of gain things from your partner, like you gain new things. Like for example, I gain knowledge from one of my exes to know that like on Tuesdays is the day that a lot of albums come out. So like I know that music Tuesdays is my thing. Like I look forward to yeah. new albums and things, right? <laughs> yeah. So but this one was kind of highlighting the fact that like their partner was very arrogant, very cocky, very confident. And what they took from them was their confidence because once this person kind of left them, they were broken. You know, but when they left them, they also took parts of them, which were the broken parts. So now that this person is free from them, you know, kind of when you have like those bad exes, because we all have had bad exes, where you're kind of like, Woo, I'm done. I'm free. <laughs> like, you know, jumping for joy. And you realize that, hey, that wasn't for me. But guess what? I'm good. I'm good without you. Thank you so much. Like exit stage left. I'm moving on. So it was kind of that thought process. So you were right on it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yes. That one, it's wonderful. I'm a little pat myself on the back. I now understand all poetry. You can come to me for, come to me for anything. Um, you did it. You accomplished the poetry. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. I your diploma. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, go yeah. pick it up now, everybody, because unorthodox remedies. The t- like everything inside of the book is wonderful, but it looks really good on yourself because the design on it's great. It's a really good endorsement for his creative consulting. Because just look at that cover, guys. It's, thank it's, you. Yeah, I designed the cover myself, so thank you so much. I'll pat myself on the back for that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, do the uh, colors have a very specific meaning yes. to everything? Because I kind of noticed that they're all broken up in three kind of like you're going backwards first and then forward at the end. Mm-hmm. Almost. Look at the cover, guys. Figure it out. Figure it out. <laughs> um, that one I'm not going to explain. I'll let them figure that out on their own and they yep. can hit me up if they think they have the answer. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so... Like, do you have anything else, Brandon, that you want to share that's just kind of dying about the book or? Uh... Um, I think with this book, what I will tell people is that because um, I got someone has asked me read this like a, like within the last couple of weeks. But like um, this is a book that took me to be vulnerable to a place that I've never been vulnerable before with writing. And I've gotten more comfortable talking about it because a lot of these poems are based off of my relationships. So the dedication page, I took a note from Taylor Swift. I dedicated the book to my exes because I wouldn't be the great person I am without them. And I wouldn't be who I am without those lessons. Now, granted, they may not be the best people, but I was able to take something from those situations and turn it into a positive. So when you're reading this, understand that these are emotions that we all have encountered and don't be afraid to start conversations with your friends about this book like tell your friends about this book to have those conversations because you'll find that you're going to go through those emotions that you went through in those relationships and it kind of opens those doors that you may have been afraid to talk about before to where you can kind of now talk about it with your friends and and people who can relate to it so that was why i wrote it was so people could honestly relate to you know those types of emotions and not being afraid to honor that and, and be able to say i grew from that and like have conversations to inspire other people Yep, that's an important lesson. We should sound clip that and just put it out to everybody, you know? <laughs> so pay attention to that one there, folks. Thank you. Um, Max, do you have anything you want to ask Brandon or anything where before we jump into um, what are we watching? 
I have so many questions, um, <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna try to keep them relatively straightforward and and not so broad that like we could sit here and talk for two hours about it or ten hours about it. Um, one of my biggest questions when I encounter poets is like, is there a poem or poet in particular that drew you to the art form? Because for me, like poetry is hazy it's really difficult to navigate it's like wandering through a cemetery in the fog and i keep stubbing my shins on these concrete headstones it's i i always feel like i am an invader there um what for you is like the genesis of your love of poetry so my genesis of the love of poetry started when I was in elementary school. Um, I was a part of this program called Young Authors. So like my first published book was not like a real published book, but in elementary school, they let us like publish whatever book we wanted to publish. Like they picked us, handpicked us as writers. They were like, you are going to be a young author. And it was like a, a legit program. Like you got cookies every time you went, you know, that's like every child's dream. So um, I've always been a writer. And so one thing about writing that I always learned was like, in order to write success- successfully, you need to be reading as well. And so I've always taken like AP literature, AP English, like all those boring classes. Um, And so within those classes, um, I would have to read like those hardcore like lit books like Candide and like Grapes of Wrath and all that stuff. So I would be drained mentally reading those books. So I would like search other books that I could really enjoy. So there's an um, author slash poet by the name of Ellen Hopkins. She wrote, um, crank and she wrote all these other books after it where these books are told in poetry slash prose so like the designs of the pages are very different and it tells a story and honestly that's where a lot of my love of poetry came from was her but also langston hughes um langston hughes is one of my favorite poets and one of his um poems dreams i had to recite in elementary school as well and it's always stuck with me and so when i thought about this book that's where it came from was that my love of poetry was from those two people honestly ellen hopkins and langston fabulous and then my other question is when you think about poetry and you 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 broach poetry with people who um aren't as familiar with it or as as like comfortable with it um, are there are there poets that you point them to that are sort of like gateway poets, like stuff that's a little bit easier maybe to understand, symbolism that isn't as obtuse, uh, language that isn't necessarily uh, inveigling, that sort of thing? Not necessarily, um, because the hard thing about poetry is although I may like a poet, someone else may not. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it gets really difficult because I can recommend anyone like a book, like a young adult fantasy or like a sci-fi. Those things are very different from poetry um, because po- poetry that I may like, someone else may not like. So what I typically tell people to do is look at like motivational books um, that come out with poetry. Like you can get them from like a Target or like a Barnes and Noble that have an array of different poets with their poems in it because it's like one of those like one poem a day type books and with those you're able to kind of pick out your favorites and then kind of go from there so i find those to be more successful as a recommendation um where it's either like the one poem a day like thing that you put on your work desk or like those books to read because from there you can kind of identify what poetry you resonate with and kind of follow that poem cool cool thank you yeah no worries all the questions max all done? That's that's all I've got for now. I, I could keep going, but I think we, <laughs> yeah. I think we have to get through this next list because this is going to be a hefty topic. Oh, this is absolutely going to be a hefty topic. Before we do that, though, let's jump into a little game. We started doing this game and playing with our guests now as well. Um, okay. So it's what are we watching? 
uh-huh. specifically what am I watching? Because it's only me and the dogs here. Um, so this is what happens. Um, I tell Max whether it's a TV show or a movie, and he has five questions, and he gets to ask two clues and gets two guesses. But since there okay. are two of you, um, okay. we need to expand that out to eight questions, three clues, and three guesses. Okay. Um, and so we will go through it, and I have some clues set up. So really at this point um, – oh, it's – by the way, it's I think it's 10 to 8 right now. Um, I'm ahead of Max at the moment. Oh. And so I think I've decided whoever gets to 15 first is going to win. I'm, I'm okay. Making, I'm making it's that just w- over? I'm making that rule right now. Yeah. The, the next – well, we're going to come back to it at some point, but the next game we're playing, I'm very, very excited about because it was the very first game I wanted to play. Um, and we'll tease that a little bit once this game is going to come to a conclusion. So let's start. Um, you guys get uh, eight guesses – or eight, cl- eight questions, three guesses, and three clues, and um, it's a movie. Okay. Go for it. Um, are there any elves in this movie? <laughs> That's that a wonderful question. And the answer to that movie, to that question almost was yes, but it's not. There are no elves in this, uh, in this movie. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. You don't necessarily have to go like one or the other. If one, somebody has a question, I'm going to make this a cutthroat, just, you know, ask yeah. it. So like. If the other person's like, you wasted the question, then yeah, let's get let's get mad. Let's get mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Did this movie come out within the 2000s? No. Like, was it like No. It was okay. earlier than that. Okay. <laughs> is this movie a thriller? Um, this movie is thrilling, but it is not classified as a thriller. It's not even that thrilling, but it's fun. <laughs> is it no, live action or animated? It's live action. Four more questions. You gonna go with a clue? You wanna burn a clue? Phone a friend. Yeah, let's burn a clue. Okay. (laughs) Um Oh man, there's so many good clues in this. The main character or one of the main characters in this movie was also the second main character in the last two really awful bad. Batman movies, the ones that were out in the 90s. So say that sentence one more time. I will. Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. The main character of this movie was also very close and connected to Batman. Not Batman in those movies, though. The actor. That is incredibly unhelpful because you are. So what I'm going to assume is it's the Robin character. I forget his name, but I'm going to assume it was the Robin character because if it's not Batman, it has to be the Robin because he was in both of those because he was established in um, Batman Forever. Right. I think. Yes. And then Batman and Robin was their movie together because that's where they had like Poison Ivy and everybody. So I'm going to go with that. Um, so that's okay. Interesting. Um, I will, I will, if you want me to throw it out there because we have a fun guest today, I I could tell you what the actor is, but it would count as your second clue. No, you don't have to do that. (laughs) There are other ways to figure out what you're watching. I have, I have another clue too. Most, a lot of these are centered around actors. So if you don't know who's in this movie, I'll I'll do, I'll do a couple. There's some wild people in this movie. It's great, (laughs) but not thrilling. It's 
it's it's it's th- like it was thrilling when I first watched it when I was ten, but like it's not necessarily thrilling now as an adult. But I still love it, even though it's it's bad. It's it's not a good movie. Oh, okay, so it's not a good movie. So why are you watching it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm watching it, uh, and this is a freebie because it has to do with today's topic. Okay. Hmm. Max, I'll let you. Ha- I'll let you go for it. Uh, all right. I think so. So I'm sorry. I'm still hung up on this Batman clue. You said it, a character. Is it the character? Is it an actor or a it's character? It's the actor. I'm sorry. It's the actor. Okay. And both of you have access to Google, and you can easily go to IMDb right now and look up Batman and Robin. I'm not sure why you haven't done that yet. Well, I know. I know Chris O'Donnell <laughs> played Robin. Honestly, I think I think that's what's happening. Batman was George Clooney, and Chris O'Donnell was Robin. Okay. So, and then the bad guys in those two movies, I'm pretty sure that there was, like, that was Two-Face with... Um, Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy and Riddler was uh, Jim Carrey. Carrey. Yep, that's Batman Forever. I don't remember who was in Batman and Robin. I think that was Mr. Freeze. Batman and Robin, Mr. Freeze was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Poison Ivy was Uma Thurman. And uh, Batgirl, if we're going to go that route, was Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> I do know all that. <laughs> Mind you, that movie is horrible, but I love it because they introduced Poison Ivy into the franchise. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh gosh, Poison Ivy. I love Poison Ivy. Um, okay. Oh, so uh, you said the the character. Just give me the clue one more time. I'm sorry. Okay. The the, the main character act. Okay, the main actor. The main actor in my movie I'm watching right now is also in the last two Batman movies in okay. a very close relationship to Batman. Okay. Oh, okay. you know what it is? It's Alfred. And it's that, that old British actor. And I forget his name. Um, he's, he's the one with the droopy face. Who- now, do you really, do you, I, I'm not questioning your, your sleuthing skills right now, but do you, did you ever see him in a main role yeah, he was he was like the wise old man in some some other movie. I've seen him in a ton in, of character actor okay, stuff. Okay. So so okay okay, I have a question because I think I know what this is. Um, okay, is this movie? Because this is going to be random that I know this, so bear with me. Is this movie based off of an Ernest Hemingway book? It's not. It, I okay. will throw out that it's it is it's not. But we know it's based on a book because that's what we're talking about. Do you guys want another clue? I have one up and ready yeah, for it. Go, go ahead and get us another clue. The the two supporting actors, not the main one, is Kiefer Sutherland and Charlie Sheen. There's also one more, but I I don't remember his name. He looks Charlie like Matthew Barry, but I don't think it is Matthew Barry. Charlie Sheen and Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, yes. you're watching the Three Musketeers. You I son am. of a gun. Yes. Ah, that was my name. Ah. Yay! <laughs> I was. I, I mean, that movie in years. I was. I was on the fence. Uh, I remembered Chris O'Donnell being in that, and I was remembered. Um, what's the one that's about the um, scent of a woman? And then I'm pretty sure Kiefer Sutherland is not in scent of a woman. So <laughs> no, he that's, is not. That's Al Pacino, man. <laughs> <laughs> they are very different. They both have great voices, though. Yes. Yeah. Um, we did it. I, Ten to nine. I adore this movie so much and it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. But the fact that Tim Curry is in it just elevates it to such a great level. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Like, you know, it's thrilling, but not really thrilling. You know, it's like a fake thrilling, like not, they're not ever in real danger, but it's still like fast paced action, fun adventure. (laughs) It's great. So, um, yeah, 
Uh, I, I love this game. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for playing, guys. Yay! Dude, let's get into our top five favorite books now that we're 35 minutes into this podcast. <laughs> um, who wants to start with their with their top five? Do you want let, want you, Brandon? Why don't you go since you're the guest? If you you get to okay. choose, you get to choose who gets to go first. Mm. So you can pick yourself or any of us. And Matt can and, go first. Okay, <laughs> excellent. So what I want to do with this, and we've done top top lists before, and so um, but just kind of a reminder: the typical rules is it's very unlikely, but if we happen to have the same book that's our favorite on here, um, the person who has it ranked higher gets to talk about it more, and then the other person will come in and talk about how much they love it. Um, I think it's fair to have the person who, you know, has it up above. These should not be, or they may be, whatever you feel like. To me, these are my four, my five favorite books. They may not be the most impactful to me, but they're my favorite that I have. Um, And they're in no random order at all. Um, And so... You could rank them one through five if you want to. You don't have to. It's just kind of up to you. So um, with that, Max, um, let's kick it off. Sure. So I'll start with my number five. Um, and this list is always hard. I'm going to I'm gonna order them just because it helps me to check in with myself about how I process all this stuff. Um, <laughs> but number one is uh, – number five, excuse me, is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Because that book just captures such a, a childlike sense of magic and wonderment. It's very fun. Yeah, very there fun. was the added component being an American of like the weirdness of the otherworldliness of British culture that sort of compounded the otherworldliness of the wizarding world um, that really made it a lot more um, tantalizing for me as a kid than I thought it would. So um, we like read them as a family growing up. My dad would like read it to the fam- the whole family and like do silly voices and stuff. And it was awesome. Uh, and that book has stuck with me. I still go back and read that sort of every couple of years just because it's so delightful. Yeah, that's a good one. It is. I love that book so much. Um, it's also, I think, my favorite movie that they have as well. Oh, for sure. Like they, they, they nailed it with the first book and the first movie. I feel like those, yeah, those yeah. went kind of hand in hand. Granted, they removed the midnight duel from the movie. I'm not bitter, but <laughs> um, that book is definitely amazing. And I remember getting it like when it first came out, and I still have it somewhere in storage. So, like the original, like copy. Dude, yeah, I love that book. It's so good. Um, excellent. Um, Brandon, why don't you go next, and I will, uh, I'll go last. Yeah. Okay. So my um, number one on my list right now is Hero by Perry Moore. Um, Hero was a book that inspired me to be an author, first and foremost, because it talks about... Have you guys seen the show The Boys on Amazon Prime? Okay. So it's similar like that, where there's a main character living in a world of superheroes where they're like, you know... They're not the best. Um, And he is coming to terms with his sexuality, but also he is realizing he has powers. Those all seem fine, but you realize his dad was a sidekick who no longer likes heroes. So he hates that. And then he feels that his dad may be homophobic. So he's like, well, I'm kind of screwed here. And then there's like a mystery at foot as well. Like it's a really good read. It's a young adult novel, but it's pretty thick. Um, I've read it in a day. Um, don't ask how <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's one of my favorite books because I got to interview the author um, before he passed away years ago um, and so it's always kind of just stuck with me as like a great book to read I try to read it at least like once a year um, awesome that sounds really good uh, do you have that any place like in the interview or is it just kind of like what you got to do or is it like out there 
that people the could interview go look was at. done over the phone. Like I had, so in high school, I was a journalist for a newspaper called Florida Today, which is part of Gannett. So like the Orlando Sentinel, like like they're all on like the same uh, company. So I had reached out to him because I was a writer um, for the newspaper at the time, and we were able to talk on the, on the phone. And I still have like our email chains. Like we, he and I used to like email each other back and forth, and I have those saved um, in my email. It's like so crazy. Um, but yeah, so I still like have like all like the documents and like all the stuff and really like cool. things in our conversation. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. That sounds great. Actually, I'm gonna try to look and check that. I need to write I that know, down. Look into it. It's it's really cool. Like the way they did it. It was really cool. Kind of think of like Sky High meets like uh, <laughs> Batman or something, or like uh, or like Batman Begins. Honestly, like it's dark, but it's funny too. Um, so put those two things together, sweet. and like you have hero. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Um, sweet. My, I guess number five. I guess I'm gonna go just from um the bottom. It's uh uh Dune is one of my favorite. It, it just. It, it introduced me to like the because whenever I, I had always read a little bit of fantasy, but they Dune was my first like adult sci-fi book is <laughs> I guess the best way to put it is it just kind of led me down a path of like my written sci-fi of something that I really love. It led me to Blade Runner. It, like it kind of just really made that genre like something that I really wanted to pursue and kind of get more into. Um, and and I got to be honest, I, I don't typically reread books. But um, I'm I'm this is the next book I'm going to read this. Uh, I've decided my list is composed of books I could not put down. So while I had to look up some of the plot from Dune today, <laughs> just so I could figure out and remember to talk about it, I'm like, yes, I do remember that. Um, I just remember we were driving down um, to Mexico with a bunch of different folks. And I'm just like glued in the bus to like Dune. And I'm like going through it. And that was one of those where, like you read it in like three days because like I just could not put that thing down. Um, and it really just kind of it just really took like it made me really interested and kind of took off my, like my sci-fi love. And so I attribute a lot to Dune. Um, you can tell it's a book written by a geologist. That's the thing I always have to point out. It's like, it's so fascinating to see like authors voices and how they reflect their livelihoods, uh, typically outside. So like comparing him and Tolkien, for example, like Tolkien was obviously like a language professor, and and Frank Herbert was so obviously a geologist because he spends pages talking about rocks. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I dug it and I love it. It's so good. Like that just satisfies that like analytical, like academic side of my like small brain, you know, or like I have to have that kind of like piece in it. <laughs> Yeah, it's I I just really like I love people writing uh, just anybody writing about stuff they're passionate about. Like it really comes out. So I'm glad he he put that stuff in there. Yeah. Um, Amazing. Max, let's do it. Number four for me. Yeah. So um, I think number four is probably going to have to be something wicked. This way comes by Ray Bradbury. Um, it, again, super fun, really delightful to read. The language is just luscious. It's like, it's like the, the Halloween e- book equivalent of eating a chocolate covered strawberry. It's just yes. so luxuriant and I adore it. And I'm so grateful. I get the opportunity to read it every time I sit down to do so. It's phenomenal. Ugh. Yes, it is. And I, I've had it for three years since Max has purchased it for me, and I am on page 197. Yeah. 
And I, I will believe you and tell you right now that it's been three years since Max has bought this for me and I read 90 pages in the first day. Yeah. And I'm on page 197. I just, I have to get back to this thing, man. It's so good. I just keep forgetting where I'm at. Yeah, I read um, it. I read it in the first, uh, in the first, first 24 hours. Like I picked yeah. it up and did not put it down. It's Some wonderful. books are like that. Like when they, when they hook you, they hook you good. Like mm-hmm. you just want to finish it like right away because you need to know what's going on. Yep. Yeah. That's kind of how I just built my list. I'm just like, I'm just going to build my list around. There's one book on here that I have extreme nostalgia for. And then everything else after that is just like books that just hooked me. I could not put them down. Can't wait for the next one to come out kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Brandon, what's, uh, what do you got for four? Four, I have, so it's an Ellen Hopkins novel. I talked about her a little earlier. Um, it's an, a novel called Identical, and it's about these twin sisters. Um, it's about Rihanna, and it's about Kaylee. And every chapter, every other chapter is told from their different perspectives and poetry style. And it's really interesting because Ellen Hopkins does really great work with wanting you to finish her book within like the same day because everything that she reveals with each chapter, you're like, well, crap, I got to keep going. And so with it being poetry, um, you can kind of get through it pretty quickly. But this book had so many twists and turns. Um, The ending for me was a bit predictable because I kind of figured it out towards the end, but uh, it was really good for what it was. Like it it kept me um, up at night because just, the imagery that she uses because they're twin sisters. And like one of them is like the perfect girl. And then the other one is kind of like the one who has sex and like does drugs. And it's really interesting to see the juxtaposition. Um, but when you get to the end, it's like this really great twist and um, it's, it's done really well. Um, so I definitely um, recommend you all to check it out because it's like a good read. for sure. Yes. So what we're going to do with that is, is I'm going to have both Max and Brandon send me their top five lists after we're done. And I'm going to post them up on all of our things that we have up. So check that out. Instagram, Twitter and everything else that we do. Um, That way you can check a look at all of the books and take a look and um, and read. I I have a question for you before we get to the next one Um, for both of you, actually. And I was thinking about this as you're talking. So when you're reading a book, what. What really like, is there something that you particularly look for that really grabs you to, to get it? Is it the way it's written, the prose? Is it the story, the plot? And I don't really necessarily want an all encompassing answer of like, yes, it's all good. Cause we understand that a book that has everything is amazing. Right. What I'm kind of looking for is it's like, is just, just that one piece you're like really draws you in to a novel or to anything that, and it can be different for different things, but just kind of like speak on that a little bit. Um, if you can, um, for me, it has to deal with the author's voice. I love hearing um, the way they write. Like when you're, when you're reading it and you hear it in your head, um, it's really interesting to see how an author can really take words and like they're really so loud, like, and you can connect with it and you know exactly what they're doing. On top of that, for me, it has to deal with that first chapter, to be honest. Like the first chapter will tell me exactly what this book is about without telling me what this book is about. What I mean by that is that first chapter has a job of reeling you in, kind of showcasing some of the themes that are going to happen, doing it subtly, but sometimes in your face. Um, and the way they end that first chapter too will let me know like if this is a good ride or not. Um, so for me, it, it's like a three-part triangle. The, the final thing that I look for with it too is the back cover copy. So I'll pick up a book because it's pretty, but that back cover copy is like a true, like small synopsis of what I'm going to encounter, what I'll face and what, and what we will um, experience by reading this book. So those three things kind of do it for me. Oh, 
Excellent. For me, I think so. I'm really superficial about like first impressions of books. Um, I've spent a lot of time getting better about that, but like I was that kid who would walk into the bookstore and be like, wow, this book has a dragon on it. I want to read it. You know, like it was pretty simple for me. So I really enjoy I really enjoy covers that that capture me. And I know that's kind of cheating because typically the artist, especially in published books, doesn't have a lot of say about what goes on the cover of their book, um, which is heartbreaking to me every time I think about it. Um, But I, I really like a cool cover and I like script that isn't too ostentatious, right? Like it doesn't look too self-important. So like presentation means a lot to me. Um, and then when I go to actually like read the book, I want to, I want to read that first paragraph. Like I don't even give it a chapter. If you don't reel me in, in that first paragraph, I'm done. Cause I have lots of stuff to do and lots of stuff I want to do. And I don't have time for a book that isn't exciting for me from the first paragraph. So that's pretty fickle. Um, but it's what I do. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I, I, I like care a lot about the cover of a book and, and looking at it. And I will often pick up something because it looks really cool. But I think like what pulls me in more than anything else that I've ever had is the author's ability to to feel like they're sitting down next to you telling you the story. And, and to me, and I know not like that's a very specific way of writing, but that's just like something that you do that. And I don't really care what else is wrapped in there. I'm probably going to finish it because mm-hmm. I just love the fact that like they took the time to write in a way that they they didn't make it feel like they were distanced from you. It just made it feel like I'm here. I'm with you. Like I'm right next to you. It's almost like oral history, you know, and I really love Tolkien does an amazing job in The Hobbit of writing that book like he's just around the campfire looking right at you and telling you the story and, yeah, and, and that really captured me um and ever since then i just have really flooded and wanted to recapture like that feeling of just the person you know i just i, I love that it's amazing where were we i'm sorry man i asked Randy I the question is it my it? book it's mine, yeah, isn't mine it? Is- Heck yeah. Awesome. Let me talk a little bit. So here's the <laughs> thing, guys. When I was younger, I used to watch a lot. My parents were really into animation, so I got a lot of animated movies in. Um, a lot of big um, things about animated movies is um, anthropomorphic animals, right? Like, you get that a lot because you really just can't do that, um, you know, except for the, the beautiful Jim Henson company. They do an amazing job. Martin the Warrior is is my fourth book and it's just it's the only book i have two books in my mind from when i was younger that stick out of my head the mask of zorro and um i had a obscene obsession with zorro when i was younger um and the uh this one martin the warrior martin warrior was the very first um brian jock's book that i read and it was the first of the redwall books that i read and i was just at that like fifth sixth grade level that those were perfect for 
And it really like Secret of the Nim, like Once Upon a Time in the Forest, like these like movies. And it just like I found the book that just went with it. And ever since then, it's really I love anthropomorphic animals. Like it just makes me and I know I can connect it back to Redwall, to Martin the Warrior and all that. And, and even at that point, it, it's just it's a wonderful book. It's one. It's great. And you should all check it out. Um, I'm actually currently right now as part of like, I have like, I usually am reading like four books at a time and kind of just pick up whatever I feel like whenever I, you know, whatever I'm in the mood for. So I'm currently reading uh, Moss Flower and I'm going back through the original Red Walls and like trying to go from start to finish and go all of them. And I'm only at Moss Flower, but I'm, I'm very excited to try to, and I'm really excited to get back to Martin the Warrior. Ah, it's so good. It was between that and Lord Brocktree for what I wanted to put, but Martin the Warrior just kind of nudges it out just a little bit for me. I don't. Did either of you guys read uh, any of the uh, Redwall stuff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I annihilated them, for yeah. sure. Yeah. He also wrote um, The Flying Dutchman, too, which I need to catch into. Um, yeah. And, and, and so I, I've always enjoyed his work. Yeah, it's very sweet, very safe and comfortable and warm. It's the... They've always felt like the book equivalents to me of like sitting by the fireplace. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like somebody reading who like Max, like you said, your dad did voices. Like mm -hmm. he takes the time to, to make sure that like all these different creatures talk differently and they have different little dialects and different way of saying things. And I just think that being really brings like something into the world of like, not everybody is exactly the same. Like people come from different places. It's just wonderful. Like, and so like, it's a really wonderful book to read to children as well, or read to anybody because you innately have built in funny voices. And so like, it's just a perfect little thing. Um, so yeah, that that's, 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 that's one of my first loves of, of a little bit down Animorphs and kind of all those things, <laughs> oh, you know, God, Animorphs. Animorphs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to touch that yet or ever, but, um, uh, Max, you're up for your number three. So my number three is actually a book of poetry and it oh, is yeah. where the sidewalk ends by Shel oh, Silverstein. Oh, I have that book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I still do. I adore it. It's one of my favorites. Like I think, there was a sense for me reading his stuff of whimsy that is pretty consistent throughout all of the things I tend to like in my life. Um, but he really was just like, he knew how to connect with me as a kid. Like the, the poems were silly and some of them were like not meaningful, but like ridiculous. And others of them were a little bit more serious and actually did have a message. And so it was just like this amazing balance that he struck of like ridiculous over the top craziness. Like I'm writing this poem from inside a lion and it's really dark in here. Like, okay, okay. <laughs> like that's so silly. Um, but he also did all this great stuff around like, meaningfulness and exploring the boundaries of your world. And, and that really, um, it, it, it was one of the earliest examples I can remember of knowing that there were adults outside my bubble, outside of my little world that could get me, you know what I mean? It was like, Oh, okay. So like if, if we met, we would understand each other. Cool. And that was a big deal for me as a young kid. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I love that book. It's amazing. That was like my first introduction to those kind of comics and drawings and stories. And it was just like, that led me down a path of every single day of my life 
for like a good 12 years of um, grabbing the funny section of the paper <laughs> every day and reading the whole thing. And like, I can trace it back to where the sidewalk ends. Like I, I absolutely like, it's almost like the where the sidewalk ends for me was like, almost like a kind of like a Cobble and Hobbs esque, like childhood. Like mm-hmm. I love that so much. So awesome. It's, awesome. A, it's definitely a great book. Like I said, I, I have it in my room. It's like a part of my room decor because I found it. <laughs> at, I think it was like a garage sale. Okay, don't laugh. But like I, I have it because like I got it. I remembered it from childhood, and I was like, oh my god! Like I haven't seen this book in forever, and I got it for like a dollar. Um, yes. So like it's in my room. Like it legit is in my room. Like the whole collection is in my room. Uh, so it's, it's really crazy because like people really connect with that, and I, I remember those from elementary school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, it's such a great book. Such a great book. I mean. Everybody's seen where the Sabergatten's calendars, right? Like you have like the daily calendars that like those are just awesome. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, it's so good. Um, sweet. Brandon, what's your three? My three is a book called um Basketball Jones. So yes. Basketball Jones is written by an author who um also passed away. I don't know why I have like books by authors that have all like passed away. But um this book is by Elon Harris. Elon Harris was a black author as well. Um, he was very known for his um, stories about like the down low, which was um, basically within the African-American community, men who were not comfortable with their sexuality were on what is called the down low. And it's still like present today where they date women, but like underneath it, like they sleep with men behind the scenes. So a lot of his books, I like, brought that to the forefront. So this book, I stumbled upon my sophomore semester. I went to FIU and I was like in the Barnes and Noble bookstore and I just needed something to read. And the cover is really great because it's like a red background with just like a basketball player. And the book is about this interior designer, how he's had this affair with this basketball player. Like they went to college together. And then it's about how like this, this basketball player has taken care of him his whole life. Like the, he went pro. So he like moved the interior designer like to the city that they live in so they can continue their affair. But what ends up happening is this basketball player then like gets engaged. And then like the woman he's engaged with is pregnant. And then they all of a sudden start getting blackmailed. Like someone has figured out their affair and like they're being blackmailed and you don't know who's blackmailing them. It's a very juicy novel. Like I read it in a day. That's a trend of mine. I read books in a day because like, I can't <laughs> put them down. Um, but honestly, it's one of my favorite books because like the mystery, even when I reread it, the mystery of it all is fresh. Like it, it's not stale. The execution is flawless of all the, the twists and turns. Like I hate books where they throw a twist in to kind of keep you entertaining. You're like, that doesn't make sense. Whereas in this book, like all of it makes sense. And when you get to the end, you're like, dang, like that was a good read. So Basketball Jones, you can find it anywhere books are sold. Um, honestly, Netflix needs to pick it up for like a TV show or something because it honestly would be juicy. Sounds yeah. like you need to write that. You know, I thought Netflix. about it. <laughs> yeah. Keep on tweeting them. I, I believe. I believe Thank we're you. gonna get you know, this. I've been like hounding Netflix and like Hulu online. At a certain point, they're gonna have to respond. They so. have to. Yeah, absolutely. You cannot deny. Eventually, exactly. you're, they're gonna respond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, I'm wearing I'm, them down. I'm, I'm gonna. I want to feign ignorance here for a second and ask you a question. That's the book from that the song in Space Jam that's based on, right? No, because there's a song. No, there's a song in Space Jam that says, "I got a basketball, Jones." So, so no. the title is taken from, I think, that same song. Okay. Talking about, yeah, because, okay, so there's a movie called Love Jones. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. Um, within that movie, the poetry is a big thing as well. It's about a guy pursuing a woman, and they meet at, like, a um, spoken word night at a club. Um, so that's where, like, the whole Jones comes from, like, Love Jones, and then it's filed into, like, Basketball Jones and, like, things like that. Okay. So, but, yeah, that, that it's, like, a nod to that. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's... 
Thank you. That was that was informative. No worries. Um, it's my turn, isn't it? I always forget it, when it's my turn. turn. Yep. I just get so excited <laughs> listening to you guys talk about books because I like respect both your opinions so much about novels. Like I just want to hear it all the time. Um, mine, I cheated. I absolutely cheated, just like Max did with the top five favorite fast food um, items. Um, I cheated twice actually. <laughs> so okay, that's not we, good. We said book. Not necessarily novel. Um, so <laughs> I'm picking something that contains two novels and one solid book. Uh, and it's called Wind Slash Pinballs. And what and it what? is, is it's Hear the Wind, which is very short, and um, 1976 Pinball. And what it is, is it's two novels combined into one because they really are a salient, very, they are the same story. Like it's a, it's part of a trilogy. So really, like, they're the same book. Um, so it's written by um, Murakami, who I recently discovered. And it's essentially this single man, just like, I don't know, the way he writes to me. And he just like, it's the, it was my first book I read by him, first of all. And the way he writes is kind of the way I think. And so it's really like, just gets me so well. And I was captivated. I was like, I am dedicating my life, not my life, but like I'm dedicating my like reading life to like making sure I read all of this person's novels because, and I've never felt that way about an author before. Like I've never picked up a book and I've never looked at it like and read, I have to read. I read Dune. I have not touched any of the other Dune books and Dune's on this list. But this one, I guarantee I will absolutely read all the way through all of them. And it's just like, what really captured me for him was these two people were having a conversation in a bar and one of them looked over and said just a single line like, oh, that girl's cute. And then they started like they kept on moving with the conversation. And it just the way he writes just makes it kind of like it's like a thought process of like random things happen, which are absolutely things that you think about and talk. Um, and he brings a level of like modern mysticism that I kind of feel like, cause they're all like very mystical fantasy novels, but set in the like modern and they're all weird. I don't, I love it, man. It's like, he's part of the, like in later in the second, uh, third book, he actually starts talking about, uh, he starts talking to pinball machines. It's, I don't know. It's wonderful. You guys got to check it out. It's so good. It's on my list now. It's on my list to read. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those that I remember, like, like sitting in my parents' car, like, driving from Washington down to Oregon. Like, I'm just, like, hooked and just, like, could not stop reading it. It, it was awesome. Um, Sweet. Well, I just tangented a lot on that. Or really, <laughs> the, the main point of that was wind because I just winded a lot. So I want to hear... Uh, <laughs> Um, Max, let's go with number two, guys. Like we're we're getting close. These are these are getting these are all important, but we're getting to the serious. We're like ones we're now. not the um, like important ones. Like this is like Hunger Games for me. That's not on my list, but this is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I understand. My yeah, yeah. Get it out. So number two for me is uh, another whimsical book that kind of defined whimsy for me. Um, it's The Hobbit by Tolkien. Like, like, oh my god, you read that whole thing? Yeah. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i read the hobbit over and over again and like as a kid it was just so fun and i actually had an uncle introduce me to it um the language was so great the uh the verbiage was phenomenal like it just it was it was silly and it was epic and it was everything i wanted as a kid 
So yeah. that was, that's it. I mean, there's, there's not, there's not much else to talk about. I mean, <laughs> for me, that is Hobbit, like I had always wanted to read it. Like I literally, so in elementary school, I was um, tested for gifted and I like had a high reading level. So I was in like fourth grade reading like 12th grade novels, which was great. So I could like read everything. And I remember picking up the Hobbit and I was like, oh, this is going to be good. And I was like, I can't read this. <laughs> it was just so long for my attention span at the time. But I got really introduced to it through my grandmother. Um, she took us to go see the Lord of the Rings movie. And then after that, we watched the animated movie, like from years ago of The Hobbit. And like the, the original, the original. And I was like, oh my God, this is so fascinating. And honestly, I have a great respect for Tolkien. And I just think it's such a fascinating world that he built with all of his books. And I mean, I wish, like I've attempted in my adulthood to read it. But there's just something about it that I just enjoy just already the knowledge that I have of it. And I feel bad saying that just because I know personally I couldn't make it through that book. So I always give props to people who can finish it because it's such a long book. (laughs) That's interesting that you say that. And I don't mean to cut off Max because I know this is your book, but like The Hobbit is something that's also real special to me. Uh, But like because that that book is like the epitome for me of like somebody sitting next to you in a campfire and just telling you the story, mm-hmm. you know? And like, that's what it feels Tolkien is doing. He's just like, you know what guys, I have a story for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hobbits. And, like, and you can tell, you can tell it was written for his kids because yeah. it's like, it's, it's just so entertaining and fun. Like those, the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings series mean so much to me that I bought like the 50th anniversaries of both of them that are like leather bound, like coming cases and like, like, like those that I love, like they didn't, none of them made my top five, but they all like are all my all mentions. Like every single one of those is like, uh, so yeah. Nice. Excellent choice, Max. Wonderful. Um, gosh, me already again? again? I felt like I I just talked. uh, You skipped me. Um. (laughs) So I'm going to say one more thing. I'm just kidding. Brandon, go for it. (laughs) My number two is actually a separate piece by John Knowles. Um, A separate piece, honestly, was a book that I had to read for AP Language, I believe, which was like 11th grade. Um, and honestly, the book is just about friendship for those who don't know. And it's honestly about the dynamics of friendship because you have these two characters who are very opposite of each other, but they have a great friendship. But then plot spoiler, one of them hurts the other one purposefully. And you're like, whoa, did not expect that coming, you know, and then it's dealing with the fallout from that. And it taught me a lot um, in high school, but even still to this day, like I reread it like every other year because it's such a powerful book and the message message of being comfortable with yourself and and you find that um i think his name was gene hold on one second let me cheat off my my note here um because i haven't written it like read it within like the last year and a half um so yes gene gene is like the character that i grew to hate (laughs) because just like he was so envious of his friend and it was just like live your life how you want to live it. Don't get mad at someone else because they're living their life. And that's what it came off to me as. Um, But it's such a great book about like friendship and like growing. And because they were boys, like I could easily relate to that. I couldn't relate to being in a boarding school, but I could relate to, you know, being a boy and like growing and like having those boy friendships and investing and, and really getting to know each other. And so this book, I highly recommend for a lot of people because it's a really real book. Like there's no magic or anything involved. It's like a real book and, and it really touches on experiences that we all can relate to wonderful um yes gosh that's there's a lot there and 
I love all of it. So check it out. Um, the, I guess it's my turn now. Now can I go? Is it okay? You're allowed. You're allowed. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> three Musketeers. <laughs> That's my number two. <laughs> and um, I have written here too. The Count of Monte Cristo would probably be on this list if I had finished it, but I can't put it on here because I have not finished that book yet. Um, and so uh, it, uh, I have written here. It's just it's just amazing. Like I think every, like, I love that book. It, it's I really usually have an incredibly difficult time reading classic literature. My like. I haven't trained my brain well enough to read old English or read things that have been in written in French that have been translated into English that is kind of written in old English. Like it's just like I read Treasure Island once and I thought I was really going to love it. And I was like, I understand that I would like this story, but the way it was written made me not like this book. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so but the Three Musketeers, just the way it was translated, it just resonated. I got it. It, it was easy for me to read and comprehend. It was awesome. And, and like attaching it with like my love of this movie <laughs> made it like just kind of compound of like, oh, this is what it really is. Mm-hmm. It is just awesome. Like it, it, I just I recommend everyone go through that book. It, it's just wonderful. Yeah. Swashbuckling is the word um, yep. that I always think of. Like it, it's it's a swashbuckler and it's so fun and so ridiculous and really enjoyable. I was actually thinking about putting that on mine too. It's probably number seven. Um, I, I think it's also important to point out, especially while we're, you know, dealing with all the we're dealing with right now that Alexander Dumas was black. And that's something that a lot of people don't know. And a lot of people fail to point out when kids are reading this, like as a signed reading in school or something. And it's awesome. Like there are not, there, there are not a lot of historical alternate fiction, alternate history fantasies that I've been exposed to um, um, in, in, that are that much fun. And so knowing all of that just really was transformative for me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did not know that. That's awesome. I, I was unaware. So that's a, that's a good. Um, I would recommend checking out max if you want to look at something if you like michael Crichton at all he wrote pirates landing which is a historical fiction book about okay. pirates and it's pretty fun like it's a swashbuckling fun book you yeah. know and the Crichton's it's one of the it, and the story is really cool because um it was a manuscript they found after michael Crichton had passed away in his apartment that like like he gave them permission to like publish you know and so like it's really like cool the whole and just kind of fits the whole piratey thing and so i lended the copy to my friend about 12 years ago and i still haven't received it back from her so she must really like it so if that isn't an endorsement then i don't know what someone stole from me for 12 years to read it (laughs) um excellent brandon are we at number one okay so my number one where are we was that I said three. Yeah. So it should mm-hmm. go Max first, right? Max is number one because mine yeah. was three musketeers. Right. Yeah, I got I confused. Got I'm getting confused, guys. I had one too many whiskeys and I have a third. So I apologize oh, for I that. Why? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't shake your head, Max. We're having fun. Um, <laughs> Professionalism has just gone out the window at this point. <laughs> have you, do you know what the title of this podcast is? What is professionalism? It's not infinite <laughs> drinks, Aaron. God. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, my my number one. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give everybody whiplash here and take us in an entirely different direction. My number, my number one, one is actually um, "East of Eden" by John Steinbeck. <gasps> and I adore that book because of the importance that, like, the central lesson that it taught me. Like, I had I had such a difficult time wrestling with Steinbeck's work because it was so dense. My first exposure to him was the Pearl which is literally the most depressing story ever is like, and there's no, uh, I, and that we'll talk about that later. Um, but East of Eden was brutal and realistic. Like it felt like there was a purpose behind the story of sorrow and, and he kept you going. Um, and central to that book is, is an old translation of a word from Hebrew that is consistently miscommunicated in various translations of the Bible. There's a phrase early on in, um, I think it's Genesis actually, where Cain and Abel are talking and God says to them, the devil stands at your doorstep and you overcome him. Right. And the translation of this word is depending on who you talk to or which translation you read is must may or, um, can like and and obviously each of those means a lot of different things um and so this character goes off and like consults with people and finds that the original hebrew translation means mayest and thou mayest overcome him and that notion to me of tim shell was which is the hebrew word um is so profoundly powerful and impactful to me and, and the awareness that like we are we are you know, we are given free will and we have choices and we have opportunities before us and we make decisions and we suffer the consequences of those decisions, good and bad. So that's, that's my number one. Um, it's, it's one of those books. It's like a thousand pages long. It's a monster. Um, and I don't recommend it to people unless they do love to read because it's just like for most people, it's not worth it. Um, but I adore it. And I, that's always going to be my number one, I think. Okay. That's a good one for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, man, Brandon, do you want to follow that up? Like, I know, like seriously. Um, so (laughs) I, my number one is by who, um, she who must not be named, but, um, my number one (laughs) is actually prisoner of Azkaban of the Harry Potter series. So the reason why prisoner of Azkaban is my number one is I felt prisoner of Azkaban took, what we knew from Chamber of Secrets and Sorcerer's Stone amplified it, but then also it was the tonal shift of the series. Like, Prisoner of Azkaban, I felt no one was safe. Whereas in um, Sorcerer's Stone, I was like, oh, it's cute, it's magic, we're at Hogwarts, there's a little bad guy, moving on. Chamber of Secrets, you're like, oh, there's a basilisk on the loose, but we know everybody is safe. Where I felt Prisoner of Azkaban was like there were Dementors, there was Peter Pettigrew, there was like this whole other thing that we were not even aware of. Like there was like already this overarching story that things tied into that we were not even like registering yet. And so then when you're like getting through Prisoner of Azkaban, you're like, whoa, this is like messed up on so many levels. Um, And I felt like that book really executed the tonal shift that was needed for that series because after that is when we go right in the Goblet of Fire, you go right into... Order of the Phoenix. And I felt that without Prisoner of Azkaban being as great as it was, there was no way we were going to believe the depth and darkness of this series without that tonal shift of that novel. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And and it starts from the very beginning, right? Like he's he's fighting with Dudley. He goes out to the park and yeah, there, there is an yeah. evil black dog that wants to eat him. And it's like, yep. well, OK, here we go. Yeah, here we are. And then yeah. like a mentor pops out, too, or something like I yep. feel like it was just like all over the place. I, I just felt like we knew, like you said, from the beginning, that book was going to be dark. And even in the movie, too, um, you just feel like you feel it. Like you just know something is like not good here. And I think my favorite thing was the whole twist of um, Scabbers. Um, isn't his name? Yeah, Scabbers. Yes. Uh, Ron's rat. When you find out it's Peter Pettigrew, and you're like, well, what? And like your mind is like blown. And I felt like that book to this day is like one of my favorite books for that reason was there were so many things introduced where – they were executed all flawlessly. Now I can't say that for all the rest of the books because I, I have issues with a lot of the other books, but like for this one, I hands down my number one. Yeah. Nice. Mm, I don't really want to share my opinion about this book then. Um, <laughs> are you about to hate on the prisoner of Azkaban? Are we going to fight on this podcast? Like, come on, I'm ready. Come on. We come may. on. We're... No, I'm, I, I can actually tell you exactly what attributes my, um, not necessarily disliking, but I think this is my second least favorite book out of all of them <gasps> um but i i sincerely believe it's because i watched the movie first that could and, do it and, yeah and, and i that it's my favorite it's my second favorite movie like i love that movie and i really i think that movie is the perfect perfect like capture between whimsy and like dark like uh, yeah. i love that aspect and i know i have have this argument with my one of my other friends almost every time we talk about it and because we have the exact opposite opinions he doesn't like the movie and he loves the book and, and I, I don't care for the book and i love the movie and i think that's because my version of that story was presented to me like five times as prisoners of azkaban from the movie before i even touched the book mm. so like that is my prisoner of azkaban so the differences in the book really really bothered me because yeah, I, I, I liked what they did in the movie more you know and so i i think that kind of like gets down to it and i think it would be opposite probably if i read the book first um but uh yeah yeah so that's why i don't like it all I that mean, much I, to each their own you know um i, I feel like Potter books are very interesting because everyone has like their specific favorites for their specific reasons. But my thing is like, I feel the movie sometimes don't do the books enough justice. And that's oh, where yeah. it gets very difficult because the books have such great knowledge. The movies for me are somewhat watered down. Like I felt like the first movie was great. The second, I feel like the first three were good. Four for me is where it derailed. And I was yeah. like, I'm having an issue with this because the inconsistencies, and I mean, I'm sorry for us to be off topic, but the inconsistencies of the Polyjuice Potion within the movies drove me insane. <laughs> yeah. Because it was like, one minute, we have their voice. The next minute, we don't have their voice. And I was like, I need you to figure this out. Because it was not, like, it, it just was so much back and forth. Like, it was literally yeah. back and forth. And then even, like, the execution in Goblet of Fire, where Dumbledore comes marching out, and he's like, Harry, oh my did gosh. you throw your name in the Goblet of Fire? Like, what? Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I don't disagree with it that some of these things have been just butchered from the books. Yeah. Absolutely. But I feel like, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I love Prisoner of Azkaban. That, that movie is so important to me. Like, oh, yeah. It, it's, and it's just, yeah. Not like I, I'm. I'm gonna. I want to mention. What, I want to get off topic. Hold on, just one more thing. And and how uh, how I 
and frustrated the fact that the cursed child is just a retcon for the time turner. That's oh, all okay, I'll say. Can we, oh. That's not even. I can't. I don't even. I don't have the mental capacity today. All right. All right. We will yeah, not yeah, yeah. tear down J.K. Rowling and whoever did all that shenanigans. We'll save that for another day. <laughs> all right, let's do it another day. I didn't want to touch anything else. I just wanted to touch that. That is purely a retcon, and you know it. Yeah, you that know was, they're trying to retcon right. that, and it's bull. Right. Um. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> that was a no- wonderful number one. You guys are. Excellent. Mine is not nearly as profound as either one of yours, but it's I, I, I went off and I, I picked um, something that's not complete yet for, for my favorite thing. And I picked something that has multiple volumes to it, but has come out in a compendium. So I can call it one book. Um, but that's Saga. And, and, and Saga is a series of comic books and they've turned it into a compendium. It's going to they're they've taken a year long break right now. So it's about halfway done. There's nine volumes out, but it the best way I could describe it, um, and I want to get into a little bit of kind of what it's about, but if you like Star Wars and you're looking for something that is mature, you should read this because it is a space mature space opera. Um, it's essentially, it's it's like the information you get at the beginning is, is you have this child who is this, um, who's not supposed to exist. Essentially, these two different races that they didn't think could mates have made it and it produced a child and they are hate like they hate each other and they're warring and the really messed up thing about it is is they've decided to not mess up their own planets and started warring on a third planet so there's another race that like comes in hard and there's just all and the, it just the journey it takes you on from start to finish uh and it's only halfway through like i don't know it, it's it touches on so many things that are amazing that I recommend it to anybody who really likes sci-fi and, and wants to kind of touch into the comic book world. I think you should absolutely, this is where you should start. You know, I, it's my one thing of like, I'll, I'll buy this for you if you want to try it out. I think I love it. Okay. Well, send me a copy. I, will. <laughs> I have all of them. I can send you the first one. And yeah. um, if you love it, we'll, we'll look at that. Yeah. We'll talk. Yeah. Let's get the address yeah. going. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's my number. That's all everybody. We all finished it, right? God, those are our top five books. Heck yeah. And we are like perfect in timing right now. Gosh, we are professionalism max. We were, we were, we were, you know, mapping that out perfectly. And the three musketeers movie, they're, they're receiving their awards for completing their job. And D'Artagnan is now a three musket. He's a musketeer now. So like everything just wraps around. Um, well that's, um, those are our top favorite books. Everyone should go read all of those. Do you guys want to... I, I have a list of things that I don't want to touch on at all. I just kind of want to say these are my all little mentions that I thought about. Do you have something that you want to just run through real quick of saying these are the things that I also considered putting on my list, but I didn't? Um, sure. Does either one of you have... Yeah. Go, yeah, go through it if you have it, Brandon. So yeah. on mine, I just have a couple honorable mentions. Um, one of them is Lord of the Flies. I found that that book was amazing to read. I had always heard about it before I read it, and it was better than what I thought it would be. And honestly and truthfully, I feel like during this pandemic, if you were to put like people on an island, we would have a recreation of that. Um, my other honorable mention is Animal <laughs> Farm. Animal Farm, I feel we're living through that right now in our country. Spoiler alert! Um, but like, I feel like, you know, there, that book really described like corruption in the best way by using animals and like how ruthless they were. And it was pretty scary. Like, I remember reading that and I was like, what the heck? A pig? Like, the 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 symbolism, the imagery, like all of it was so perfect for what um he was trying to convey. 
And then um, last but not least, Oh, The Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. Um, That book was given to me as a gift from high school, uh, as my high school graduation gift. And it's always like appeared in my life. Like I can be like at a random grocery store and they'll have All The Places You'll Go keychain. And it's like so weird. And but like, it's such a great book because it's so inspirational. It's so short, but it's so to the point. And I feel that everyone needs to read that book at least once in their life. Absolutely. Yep, I agree. 100%. One hundred percent. Max, do you have any honor mentions you wanted to throw out there that you prepared, or did you just? No, you've you've touched on all of them. I think um, I absolutely had to mention something, Seuss. So um, if if we're not, if we've already covered oh the places you'll go, then the other one is the Lorax. Um, <gasps> the final the lines, the final lines from the Lorax are just <laughs> profoundly impactful right now, yeah. dealing with issues of white supremacy culture in our country, like. If, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. Yes. It's not. Right? Ugh. So, yeah. I love I love that book, too. Pretty much anything Dr. Seuss was yeah. phenomenal. I am also a huge fan of um, Three Musketeers, like you talked about. And if we're going to skip over and do non-book books, um, I'm a huge fan of Watchmen. Watchmen is a, a graphic novel, technically. Um, I but love it's, Watchmen. It, yeah. It also deals with issues around like what we're dealing with right now in police brutality and who watches the people who are supposed to be watching over us. Right. And policing the police. And it's, it's very, um, very well written. It's Alan Moore dudes, dude is Looney Tunes. Like he is in, I, I'm pretty confident he's not mentally stable, <laughs> um, but he, he does an amazing job of telling this story. So did you enjoy the mini series? I haven't watched it yet, <gasps> but I'm actually one of the few people who enjoyed the movie. And so I'm worried I might not like the miniseries oh, because everyone no, no, is like, good. the movie was terrible and the miniseries is great. I like no, both of them for their own reasons. The movie, of okay. course, like it's its own thing. But the miniseries, I felt really took the story and continued it in the best way. And I don't say that about a lot of things. I definitely say watch it, especially with what we're dealing with right now in the country. Like yeah. it's very relevant to it. Yeah. Check it out. I'm three episodes in. Like it's it's good. It's definitely worth watching for sure. Um, so I guess my honorable mentions. I, I wrote down a lot of them, and I'm not going to talk about a whole lot except for a couple of the important ones. Um, I already mentioned The Hobbit. Um, pretty much all Lord of the Rings, the the six original like Lord of the Rings books, but like specifically the Two Towers. Um. So my typical reading style is, is when I read series, what I'll do is I'll read a book, take a break for another book, read the next series, take a break and kind of do that. Um, the Two Towers was the only book that I've ever really read that I immediately jumped into the sequel. Like I had to know, I had to finish, I had to go to Return of the King. So that one really always sticks out to me of just kind of, it's also my favorite movie um, of those series. And so it's just kind of this very special place for me. Um Heart of Darkness, I think, is the most beautifully written book I have ever read in my entire life. Um, that I does think, not hold up well in 2020, though. No, no. I, I think I think what I'm talking about is the way he structures sentences and the way like it feels like I'm flowing and like moving with his language of what he talks. And I think that's what I mean. Not necessarily the content, but the way he like structures everything, like the way he puts words together. It's just something that struck me as like I had never, ever experienced that before. And it was something that I thought was really kind of artful. Um, 
And then I had my two uh, graphic novels were Watchmen and The Long Halloween. Max has already talked about Watchmen. Long Halloween is just a really cool Batman story about calendars and like Calendar Man and like all these different really cool things. So check it out. Like look at the Long Halloween. Um, and then uh, the last one is Storm of Thorns because it just, you know, the the um, Game of Thrones had a really impactful part of my life as far as reading the books and watching the TV show. And I, I was really into it. I loved it. And um, Storm of Swords was my favorite book out of the five that he's <laughs> written so far. And um, I couldn't put it down. I like hours. That's I finished it in two days. I think Storm of Thorns is like 900 pages or something like that. Like it's like the best, like most reading I've done in the, sh- the shortest amount of time. I, I could not put that thing down, but I didn't feel like it really hit me like all the other ones. I just thought it was just really interesting and good and awesome. Like, so that's why it's on our all mentions and not my top five. Then that's it. Yay! Those are all my mentions. So what I want to do now is don't forget, folks, if you want to see these books, read them. Um, Max and Brandon are going to hopefully send me their lists um, after we are finished here. And um, I'll put those up on all of the Instagrams and the social medias. But before we do any of that, Brandon, um, I would like you to sell yourself for a little bit and tell us where we can find you and where we can find your books <laughs> and, and do everything myself. you want to do. Um, I am. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, my personal Instagram handle is at B dot good. That's with an E at the end. It's silent. So B dot G O O D E. You can find me on Twitter at Be Good Rights. Um, as far as my new company, you can follow at Good Consulting on Instagram as well. Excellent. Max, do you have things that uh, people like to find you at? I'm Max Baron Reed on everything Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Come find me, say hi. Uh, Gmail too. Um, I am Damp 3D Mango at everything. Um, DMP 3D Mango. Uh, and uh, also you can email us at podcast at infinitepulp.com. Send us your favorite books and uh, we'll read them and let you know how we think about them. Um, but that's pretty much it for today. Thank you so much. Go freaking pick up Unorthodox Remedies, please. Yeah. It's on Amazon right now. You can get it in digital and paperback copy. Can you do hardback or is it only in paperback? Only in paperback. No one really reads hardback anymore and it's easier yeah. to have a paperback on a, book, on a plane yep. nowadays, yep. you know. Absolutely. Nope, I'm with you. And so <laughs> please go pick that up. It's really good. I like it a lot. Um, and I think you will too. And so thank everybody. Brandon, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you guys this for having me. It was so much fun. I have to come do this again. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. We are absolutely having you on again. This is going to happen. Um, any last words from either one of you about books or writing that you want to impart onto our lovely audience? Oof. Um, I would just say read whatever you want to read um, and just continue to allow yourself that escape. Books are the perfect escape to get away, especially right now. I know some people are looking for ways to kind of have a break from reality. Um, pick up a good book and just, you know, go for it. You know, some people like to look at a book that's pretty from the cover or you like to read the back cover copy. Whatever floats your boat, get a book and just do it. Yeah. And you've got plenty of great selections from today's episode. Yes. Absolutely. There are 10 good ones and five bad ones. You guys can decide which ones are the bad ones. They were mine. I can tell you that. None of mine. <laughs> no, none of Brandon's or Max are bad at all. You guys should absolutely read those books. Those were all great. Um, thank you, both of you, so much for joining us. I had a lot of fun today. And um, we've been Infinite Pulp. 
And uh, you guys have, have a good been. rest of your day. We are not anymore. No, yeah, we're done. See, this is why they That's write and it. I don't. Um, <laughs> everybody have a good rest of your day, and we'll see you next week. Woo. Bye, folks.